Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along. Uh, and uh, if you don't own a Bible or have a Bible, you can keep that Bible uh, as a gift from, from us to you. And uh, you can also pick up, I think we might have some more. Um, we kind of burn through hundreds of the uh, Daniel journals um, that we provide for each of our series and our studies through the books of the Bible that we do on Sundays. And uh, we had to order so many more, but uh, hopefully there's some Daniel journals if you didn't pick one of those up. It has the entire text of the book of Daniel as well as line paper on the inside for you to keep notes and just jot things down as um, God speaks to you. Uh, there's tables and thing, or there's um, pens on the tables there and um, and uh, which also I, I see our, our communion. We're going to partake of communion together. We do that on the first Sunday of the month. So um, in just a few minutes after our Bible study, we get an opportunity to come to the Lord's table and uh, remember the sacrifice um, portion of the day. You know, we're going to be talking about biblical prophecy and end times things. We're in that um, portion of the book of Daniel that deals with the events um, of end times. And some of it, you know, you kind of follow the, the timeline and try to figure it all out. I mean, I don't have all the answers. I know God does. Um, he gives us just enough answers to, to know that he's in control of the timeline. And he does have a timeline. And we should be aware of that timeline. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's really connecting with Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And um, we're going to be looking at... Um, a couple of images and visions and dreams that Daniel has in chapter 8 of a, of a ram and of a goat. But uh, when we come to the Lord's table at the end of this message, we're also going to see another animal, and that's the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So let's keep uh, that in focus um, as we read through these verses. And we are, as I said, um, transitioning into and have transitioned into the last half of the book of Daniel. Um, if you've been with us over the past six weeks, seven weeks now, you know that um, we've been working our way through this book that is divided into two main sections. The first dealing uh, with a, a narrative, a story of Daniel and his friends who were taken captive uh, uh, into ba Babylon. What's interesting about, I don't know if you know this, but um, the, the, uh, the writing of the book of Daniel is actually written in two different languages. And the transition is from the end of chapter 7 the first part of Daniel was written in Aramaic, which uh, deals um, with the um, world history of Gentile kingdoms and nations. And then we see the last half, uh, chapters 8 through 12, are written in Hebrew, which uh, are focused primarily um, on the nation of Israel and God's plan for Israel. And I just find it interesting that you have the audience that's being reflected in the two different languages of this book being written. And we find ourselves in the latter half dealing with uh, biblical prophecies. And if you were with us last week, we looked at uh, a vision that Daniel had, which was very similar to King Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the great statue. And it dealt with these four different kingdoms that would uh, you know, rise and fall. 
um, throughout history, um, dealing with Babylon, um, as well as the Medes and the Persian Empire, uh, the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire. And so we saw these formidable beasts that Daniel saw in the previous chapter. We also saw, which I really love and I appreciate, um, because these beasts are devouring one another. It's a picture of just, um, just flesh and humanity and how we just are always fighting and warring. Um, and then Daniel sees this vision of the fiery throne room of heaven. It's actually a courtroom scene because the Ancient of Days sits on his throne, the court is seated, and the books are open. And uh, we talked... Um, actually, a lot. I don't know if, you've, if, if you haven't um, signed up for our, our, um, our daily devotions. I'm writing daily devotions from Reflections on Sundays um, every single day just through the book of Daniel. Um, and we focused this last week predominantly, if you uh, are signed up for it, on that passage of, um, of the, the vision of the throne room of heaven and the books being opened and some of the books that are mentioned in, you know, in, in the Bible that God has a bookshelf, you know, and he kind of he goes to the bookshelf every once in a while, and one of those is the book of remembrance. Uh, when we talk about God and we have the fear of the Lord in our lives and we're fellowshipping and worshiping, there's a, God's journaling. You're actually writing pages in God's journal right now because we're talking about God. We're at church. Uh, we're opening up his word, and he's recording. Yeah, they were at church. You get an extra brownie point when you go to heaven. Uh, a little extra jewel. It's a little shiny crown. I don't, I don't know how that works, but um, God's remembering and recording and journaling those things, but the other is the book of life, and that book is not written in erasable pencil or, you know, invisible ink. It's, it's written in the red markings of Jesus Christ on the cross, and those names in the book of life are, are not blotted out. So there's this picture that Daniel gets of the throne room of heaven, which is so powerful as these future kingdoms come and go. But um, the, Daniel's vision in chapter 7 goes further and beyond uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the mighty statue in that he points us to this little horn, which is kind of a a key term in understanding the prophecies of Daniel. Whenever you see the word horn, it's dealing with a ruler or a king or some type of leader. And this little horn is a, is a foreshadowing. It's a picture of the Antichrist. Everyone say Antichrist. Yeah, so you might have heard this term used if you read the book of Revelation, but it's an, speaking of an individual who, when you just look at the word Antichrist, it basically means opposition or against or even counterfeit. There's an individual who, during the Great Tribulation, prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, who raises up as some type of Messiah, some type of deliverer, and uh, sets himself up. To be worshipped, he brings persecution against God's people, and uh, he desecrates the temple, and so all those, um, all those actions are are important in understanding, as even Jesus describes for us uh, in the account, verifying Daniel's prophecy in um, you know Matthew chapter twenty four, Mark chapter thirteen, and even in the book of, of Revelation, we see the uh, the verification of this, but. Um, What's interesting about Daniel chapter 8 as we move in to uh, chapter 8 is that it's a, great, it's a great example for us in understanding biblical prophecy in that there is a near as well as a far fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And I think chapter 8 is a great example of that. So the point that we want to remember today is that biblical prophecy has a near, as I said, and far historical relevancy 
And there is a complexity to prophecy and understanding that. Not that, well, there's only some people that really have the answers and we've got to listen to them. But the complexities of God fulfilling in the immediate near future of the events described by Daniel in chapter 8. But also later down the spectrum of time of humanity, historical events that God will fulfill. So... Having said that, we're actually going to work backwards. I was kind of, when I was studying this, I thought, well, let's just work a little bit backwards today. And let's look at verse 19, 20, 21, and 22, because we're actually going to get the interpretation of Daniel's vision first. And then we're going to go back to the beginning of uh, chapter 8 and read through with that lens of understanding what this vision has, uh, what, what, it, what it deals with. So jumping into um, uh, Daniel chapter 8, Verse 19 says, and he said, now who's he? That's the angel Gabriel. So if you just look back a couple of verses, you'll see that Gabriel was dispatched. This is the first time that the archangel Gabriel is mentioned by name in the scriptures. This mighty, powerful angel is dispatched by God to give Daniel discernment, wisdom, and understanding, revelation, interpretation of this vision that Daniel has of a ram and of a goat and of a little horn. Okay? I mean, it might sound pretty, pretty far out there, but we're going to unpack all that as we get to it. This Gabriel said, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of indignation. Notice, you can circle some of these phrases, because latter time is, a, is an important word. For at the appointed time, and then the end shall be. There's three phrases there, latter time, appointed time. And end time. And sometimes we can be a little bit confused about that, but we see the progression of the unfolding of um, the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Some of these terms can be related to what is called Jacob's trouble in the Old Testament, dealing with the persecution and the trial of God's people. It could also deal with the day of the Lord. If you see the day of the Lord reference in the scripture, it means the judgment of God at the end times. And then we also have the great tribulation. And the Great Tribulation is this period of time that such has never been seen on planet Earth, as Jesus describes, against, um, against God's people, um, at the hand of the Antichrist, and there's wars and famines and persecutions and trials prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so you see the progression of this fulfillment. And the angel says, look, I'm making known to you. So we know that... What Daniel is seeing in chapter 8 deals with the immediate, it deals with the near future, and it deals with the far end times uh, events as well. And in verse 20, the ram, everyone say ram. So we know that Daniel drove a ram, where he's ramped up. There you go. Just remember that. That was a joke. Come on, you guys. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys came today to the second service. Thank you so much for that. No, that's just a joke. I'm sure, well, all of you guys uh, set your clocks. Well, your iPhones and things do that for you. But um, no, it's not second service. It's first service. You guys did a good job. Um, but we did have uh, quite a few people at uh, 6 a.m. this morning coming to, no, just kidding. Just coming really early. Where's church? Where's people? We were raptured. We're gone. Ooh, that wouldn't be a good joke. Ooh, that'd be kind of scary. So come on, he's driving a ram, right? Okay, there you go. Um, the ram which he saw, or excuse me, which you saw, having two horns, okay, all these things are important to underline, ram, two horns, they are the kings of the media 
and Persia, Medes and Persians. Boom, there you go. God, I love it when God just makes it nice and clear. Don't you? I wish he would do that a little bit more often in my life. It's this and that. That's it. Settled. Case done, right? Okay, the ram. As we go back and read, the ram is the Medes and the Persians. Okay, verse 21. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. Okay, wow, this is amazing. 350, friends, this is remarkable. 350 years before the fulfillment of this little horn that we're going to get to, coming in and destroying Jerusalem, destroying the temple, desecrating the temple, a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. Those are two words or two names that we want to remember in our study today. Antiochus Epiphanes as well as the Antichrist. These two guys, I think it's interesting that those two names are very similar to one another and have very similar uh, works and, um, you know, uh, purposes in God's plan. The Greece, well, these people weren't even, I mean, now this kingdom, the Greece, the large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. Who's the first king of Greece? Alexander the Great. Very clear, very simple. And as for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, this is dealing with the Greek empire, Alexander the Great, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. That means just not in the power that Alexander had. It'll be in just a kind of a, a lesser power, divided power. And so we're going to pause there go back to verse 1. Now we understand, okay, what we're reading when we go through. I think that's helpful just because there's so much imagery and so many things that are being spoken of. Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me to Daniel after one that appeared to me at first. Now in the previous chapter, in the first year of Belshazzar, he had the vision of, the, of all these four beasts. And now we're getting close to the very end of Belshazzar's reign. You remember uh, that uh, not too long from the recording of these visions that Cyrus came, uh, king of um, Persia, with his generals, and prior to that with the, in combination with the Medes and, and the Persians, came and slaughtered Belshazzar right in this, his throne room, and the Babylonian Empire uh, fell to the Medes and the Persians. And so it's, this is immediately going to be following some of the fulfillment of what Daniel is seeing here. Belshazzar, he had this vision, appeared to him, third year. And I saw in the vision, and it happened while I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. So these are just markers, indications. Shushan is actually the capital city, the prominent city of Persia. And so he's transported. We see many other prophets in the Old Testament. They're kind of in the vision and in the dream, transported to see some of these things. I think it's powerful for him to be standing in the capital city of Persia while he's witnessing the destruction of Babylon. And so it happened. I was there in the city. And then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there standing beside the river was a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. Now, if you have been following with us, you, you'll know that some of this is a bit redundant because we're looking at the same kingdoms and some of the same stories and scenarios, but from a different angle. Whereas King Nebuchadnezzar had a, a vision of the statue. In chapter 7, Daniel had a vision of these same kingdoms uh, as a lion, as a bear, as a leopard, right? So these are different visions, and now he's seen them. As a ram. So it's talking about the same kingdom, the same rulers, the same leaders, 
but from a different angle. And if that's the case, the Medes and the Persians, we know that this represents the two horns. But one is higher, one is larger, and the latter comes greater, which is that, the Persians. The, we don't talk much about the Medes and their kingdom because it was just obliterated by the Persians. And so the emphasis of this vision of the ram with the two horns and the one that's even higher and one that comes later is a picture of the Persians. And who is the leader of the Persians? Cyrus. Now we talked a couple weeks back about the prophecy in Isaiah dealing specifically with King Cyrus. Hundreds of years before this man was ever even born that um, we are given this man's name specifically and how God even uses this individual for his purpose. And I just think one of the takeaways as we kind of navigate through some of these elements of biblical prophecy and future events is just to recognize that God can and will use pagan, ungodly kingdoms, leaders, empires to accomplish his purpose and his plan. He is weaving through his redemptive plan through the course of human history and people flawed, just sinful, just people that don't know him. He's using all of that, navigating and orchestrating it all for his purpose, guiding the events of human history towards his intended purpose and plan. We can trust if he can do that, then we know that he can do that in our own personal lives, that we can put our our lives into his hands and trust that he is. There's a great verse in the New Testament that says that God works out all things for our good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And you might be looking at your life saying, well, it's not good. And Daniel's looking at the landscape of human history and he's saying, it is not good. In fact, there's many references to him getting sick and becoming so overwhelmed with anxiety and worry. And you might be experiencing some of those same things. You turn on the news and you see what's going on in Israel and the Middle East and all the surrounding regions and the chaos and the wars and, and uh, just so much, you know, pain. But then you look at your own life. You think, wow, man, I, you know, I've got this issue. I got this struggle. You know, there's a family in our church. When I first came here uh, back when the church was called Alpine Christian Fellowship seven years ago, and there was a faithful man by the name of Steve, and he was one of the elders. And his wife is, is Susan, and she's... Um, um, I don't mean to in, um, embarrass them, and I hope they don't feel embarrassed. They're not here today, but it's just a reference to our love for them. And, uh, you know, she served here at the church um, in audio and tech and, you know, these sort of things um, on a website. And uh, she's home uh, on hospice with stage four cancer. She's not eating. She's not drinking. She's in her final moments before she goes to be with Jesus. I'm going to go see them after service today. But, um, you know, it just reminds us of how quickly life is and the pain. And we don't know what's going on in people's lives. I mean, God knows what's going on in your life. And you might be going through like, wow, this is really difficult. How do we get through this? God is working out all things for our good. To those that love him, sometimes it doesn't feel good. But God is faithful. He's, he's loving. He's merciful. He's compassionate. And those trials, those sicknesses, those, those, those mountains, those battles, those frustrations that you're experiencing, just as we sang, I love how the worship team just is led by the Holy Spirit to bring to us songs that can remind us of these truths and tie it into Scripture that um, He's always working and that He's always there. And I hope that you would leave today and trust Him. And we can see that and hopeful that God is 
um, working out things in your life, and you can trust him. And we can see that happen as these events. I mean, it's just so mind-boggling. It's really big and beyond us at times. But uh, God is orchestrating these events, and he's doing that for us as well. He lifted up, back to the text, lifted up. He saw the ram, two horns, picture of the Medes, Persians. And I saw a ram pushing westward, northward, southward, so that an animal could, uh, could not, no one could withstand him. Nor was there any that could deliver from his hand, but he did according to his will and became very great. And Cyrus, uh, under the Persian Empire under Cyrus, was just brutal. They were intense. They just, just slaughtered and crushed everybody and everything in their place. And as I was considering, verse 5, suddenly a male goat, so we have the ram, now we got the goat, came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. That's kind of an interesting vision. It is so swift, so fast. He's running so fast, it's kind of like a cartoon almost. It's just running so quickly that the feet aren't even touching the ground. Now this same ram, uh, excuse me, this same goat is described um, in chapter 7 as the leopard with four wings. The same uh, empire, same leader, Alexander the Great, Greek empire. We already read that, right? Um, and so it's just a picture of how swiftly and how quickly Alexander just conquered the known world at the time. It, by the age of 28, he was ruling all of it, died at the age of 33. And that's important because the text goes on to talk about how without touching the ground, the goat was notable, horn between his eyes, a picture, a symbol of Alexander the Great. And uh, then he came to the ram, Medes and Persians, right? Persian Empire, Cyrus, who had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, he ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram, and he moved with rage against him. So this is just a picture, and just a different way of saying that these kingdoms were at war with one another. And attacked the ram and broke his two horns, conquered the Medes and the Persians. There was no power in the ram to withstand. And... Uh, but he cast him down to the ground, trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore, the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken. Now, history tells us that Alexander, as I mentioned, he died very young. That horn, picture of Alexander the Great, he died broken. Horn was broken. But what happens is, in the place of Alexander's death, we do know that the Greek Empire was divided up into four main regions, Macedonia, uh, Asia Minor, Syria, which is important to our story in chapter 8, because this Antichrist picture uh, leader comes from Syria, Syria and Egypt. And so the Greek Empire was divided into these four regions and areas, which is a picture here towards the four heavens, right? Four notable ones, four notable horns, four notable rulers came up out of the Greek Empire in these four regions. And out of one of them, came a little horn. Everyone say little horn. We've been introduced to this little horn. Now, specifically in Daniel chapter 7, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to keep us engaged here because I know it's a lot of information, um, but it's really fascinating and important, especially when you just kind of follow through the timeline. But the little horn in Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 7 deals primarily with the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. The little horn here in Daniel chapter 8 deals with an individual by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, as we're going to come to find out and see through his aggression and fighting against God's people. Look at here. 
as well as a timeline, we're given a couple of things. And out of one came this little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards the glorious land. Very interesting. Towards the region of Palestine and the Holy Land and the people of uh, Jewish descent and the nation of Israel uh, and um, and this, this region. And it grew up to the host of heaven. It cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. It's interesting that the symbol of the Jewish people is the Star of David. So some scholars suggest that this is a reference to what this uh, leader, Antiochus Epiphanes, is going to do. He's going to destroy. He's going to come against. He's going to fight against Judea and the people of Israel. Uh, he's going to crush them and destroy them. So there's a reference to the nation of Israel in the stars of heaven. Come against the hosts, the covenant that God had with his special people. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. Now, who's that? Well, that's the son of man referenced in the previous chapter, which is a title for the Messiah, for the Christ, for the anointed one. And we know that because we have the end of the story, which is Jesus in the New Testament. He comes as the son of man. He comes as the Messiah. He comes as the Christ, the anointed one. And uh, there is war against God, basically, what he's saying. Prince of the host. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away. It's important reference to the temple. And the place of the sanctuary was cast down. It's very, I mean, you you can't underestimate the significance and importance of the temple to the Jewish people. It was a place of God's presence. It was a place uh, where there were the sacrifices, where the the atonement of sins, where the Holy of Holies, um, where the priests and the Levites ministered and worshipped, where the Ark of the Covenant was and the cherub above it and the mercy seat, like all these things, the sacrifices, all this. So important. And because of the transgression... An army was given over to the horn. We're talking about this individual, little horn. To oppose the daily sacrifice. And he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. And then I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said, some type of reference to angels. That certain one was speaking. How long will this vision be? Concerning the daily sacrifices of both the sanctuary and the host of the trampling of under feet. So how long will it be? That there will be a desecration to the temple um, as well as to the end of the sacrifices as well as the persecution of God's people. How long is this going to be? Now what's interesting is that there's an answer given. And that answer is right here in um, verse 14. And he said to me, for 2,300 days then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Now, this is really fascinating because God gives us a timestamp of what is happening. As I already mentioned, this man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. In fact, if you go and look at the actual date of when this event took place, you can Google it. Be careful what sources you look at when you Google, but, um, you know, reference uh, encyclopedias or, you know, these sort of reputable sources um, but uh, you can see that on December 25th, uh, uh, 165 B.C., that uh, the temple, uh, the Jewish temple, was uh, destroyed. It was desecrated by this man uh, named Antiochus Epiphanes. In fact, he, he came to power uh, through uh, one of the regions of Syria. Now, we're told later on, we just don't 
for sake of time, don't have the time to, to look through it. I encourage you to read through verses 23 and 27, the rest of the story there. But we are given, in fact, we'll just look at verse 23. It says, in the latter time of their kingdom, in reference to the division of the Greek Empire and uh, the later years of the, of, of the breaking up of that kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features who understand sinister schemes. And this individual is fulfilled in the near future, in reference to Daniel's vision, 350 years later, December 25th. This is pretty fascinating. December 25th, uh, 165 B.C., the temple was destroyed. We, um, so if we have that date, we can actually take 2,300 days and count backwards. So there's some dispute as to whether the evening and the morning sacrifices deals with one day or deals with multiple days. Now, I'm not going to give a direct answer to that, but they both fulfill the prophecy because whether you take the date of December 25th, 165 B.C. and count back 1,150 days or you count back 2,300 days, you will still see this king, Antiochus Epiphanes. Whether it was the start of his kingdom and the destruction and the wars against Israel or the actual uh, persecution, when the, when the persecution broke out um, against um, Israel and the nation of Israel, we still see that fulfillment. You count back those days and you see that this man, Antiochus Epiphanes, he comes in, he, um, he invades Judea, he looted the temple. He outlawed Judaism. He erected an altar to Zeus in the temple. And he slaughtered pigs on that altar. A desecration that causes des desolation, which is going to be in a reference um, later on in the book of Daniel. And we see this near, remember, stay with me here, the near and far fulfillment of God's biblical prophetic plan. That's pretty powerful, 350 years prior to. Now, what's interesting is that on December 25th, every single calendar year, you probably can see, not only do you see Christmas Day, but you also see Hanukkah. And even to this day, Hanukkah is celebrated in the Jewish, was a reference to um, the uh, Festival of Lights or the Feast of Lights on December 25th, Jewish calendar, uh, the nation of they celebrate Hanukkah for eight days, lighting candles, and remembering when Judas uh, uh, Maccabeus, he came. He was, a, he was a, a priest, and uh, he was a Jewish priest who led the Maccabean revolt against uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and his powers, and he cleansed the temple, and he restored the sacrifices on December 25th, 165 B.C. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that remarkable when you see that what we read in Scripture is rooted uh, in human events and history? Now, what's interesting about the emphasis of the near fulfillment of these events described by Daniel in chapter 8 is that it is also, stay with me here, it's also foreshadowing what the Antichrist is going to do during the great tribulation period. He is going to go into the temple and set himself up as the Messiah. He is going to have sinister schemes. He is going to come against the people of God. He is going to desecrate the, um, the temple by promoting worship of himself. He is not going to have his own powers, but he's going to be empowered by Satan and the demonic powers 
of the Antichrist. And so we have the near. Well, actually, we've got a couple of things, and we're just going to close with this, and our worship team can come on up, and we're going to talk a little bit just about some takeaways here. But we see the now fulfillment. The now fulfillment in the third year of Belshazzar's reign, the now fulfillment is that the Medes and Persians come in and destroy Babylon. The near fulfillment is that later this would be fulfilled by Alexander the Great coming and destroying the Medes and the Persians, but his empire would be divided. So we have the near, we have the now, we have the far. The far fulfillment is that this vision of Daniel in chapter 8 would be fulfilled when Antiochus Epiphanes comes and destroys Jerusalem, desecrates the temple, persecutes God's people. But then we have the end fulfillment. And the end fulfillment will be fulfilled with the arrival of the Antichrist and the great tribulation period. So if all of this is true, what do we make of it? A couple of things. One is, as I mentioned earlier, that God can use and is weaving through his plan, his purpose, his redemptive work through the rise and the fall of these powerful kingdoms that really, I mean, even to this, like today, it doesn't seem to have much bearing on our lives. I mean, Medes and Persians, I mean, come on, what's up with that? Uh, Greek empire, many of these empires in some small fashion or another, their culture, their way of thinking, are continuing on even into this day, the Roman culture um, as well. And so not only is there an individual who we call the Antichrist, the counterfeit Jesus, but we also have the spirit of Antichrist, the Bible says. And the spirit of Antichrist is this war, this deception, this fight against God, against Jesus, and everything that he stands for. And Jesus says, in this spirit, be ready, be on the lookout, have discernment and understand. Now, how are you going to know what counterfeit is? The best way to know what counterfeit is, is to know the real deal. And if you know the real Jesus, in his word, understanding the timeline and the unfolding of what God has revealed to us, then you will not be deceived and you will not be led astray. So the most important thing, which I believe we are living in the last days, that we should be ready for the imminent return, second coming of Jesus Christ, that we should be ready for his return at any time, is that we should be people of the book and the people of the way, which is the way of Jesus, close to him. That's the only way you're going to know what's counterfeit, what's delusion, what's deception, what's distraction, is to know the real deal Jesus Christ. Handle him. Experience him. Know him. Walk with him. That's the best defense against deception. And what I love about Daniel is that he's a great example for us of how when there is uncertainty and you need clarity, to go to God. If you need clarity, that God provides clarity for those confused by life's profound mysteries. There's some mysteries that, you know, there'll probably stay some mysteries. But there are some other things that if you're confused about things going on in your life, do what Daniel did and go to God. And he will provide clarity and discernment and understanding. And then also anticipate that what God has fulfilled in the past, he will also, friends, he will also fulfill in the future. The great white throne of judgment, the Bema, mercy, judgment seat of Christ, the accounting of all things, 
the destruction of satanic power and the Antichrist, the establishment of God's eternal reign. Yeah, Jesus coming on the clouds with great power and glory. Yeah, who's ready for that? I mean, good, yeah, let's... For sure. I mean, I looked outside. We don't have any clouds usually in this time of, time of year. So whenever I see clouds, I said, okay, is this the day? You know, coming in the clouds. Be ready. Be close to Jesus. Anticipate his coming and be a light for him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. Man, time flies. Whew. You blink. The sermon's over. But, but you blink. And ten years are gone. I blinked and I had a ten-year-old yesterday. I blinked and I had a senior, someone going to college. And you blink, it's just like that. Sometimes in those, those blinks, we realize we're just, what are we living for? What are we doing? Some things, let me encourage you as we have God examine our hearts through communion. Before we take communion, have God examine our hearts, examine your heart. This is the time to just close our eyes and not blink, but just reflect. Say, God, if there's anything that I'm fooling around with that, that shouldn't be a part of my life, that if you were to return right now, it wouldn't be pleasing to you or honoring to you or glorifying to you. God, I pray that you would just wash it and cleanse it, forgive it, Take time in repentance and confession. That's what the Lord's table is all about. As I mentioned at the beginning, we see a ram, we see a goat, we see a bear, we see a leopard, but I hope that you would see a lamb, a lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, sacrificed on the cross for you, that you could be born again, made new, adopted in the family of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, bringing meaning and significance to life. It's not that your life didn't have meaning and significance before Jesus, but this life goes into technicolor, comes alive like never before when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And I pray if there's anyone in this room or who's watching online or even listening to this podcast at a later date, you would surrender your life to God. He loves you with an everlasting love. And do it now. Don't wait. In the quietness of your own heart, say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Not just sorry for my sin, but repenting, turning away, and I want to turn to you, God. That you're on the throne. Wow. Thank you that you've given Jesus Christ as my advocate, as my defender. He's the public defender pleading your case that even though our sin is like scarlet, it's washed as snow. God, thank you. We love you. Thank you for new life. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.